I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down. Oh, you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is going to be an awesome day today. Don't don't reach for the radio and turn it off. I know we're in the wake of a bit of a gut, gut punch in Georgia. Everybody's licking their wounds, wondering about what's to come. We'll talk a little bit about that. I am going to tell you why what happened in Georgia 
is the best possible scenario. The best thing possible. I woke up this morning, had some time to think about it. I was thrilled. I'm thrilled, and I'll tell you exactly why here in a few. We're going to talk about a real mental illness creeping through our society, a legitimate mental illness we're going to have to address. The law turning against you. And we're going to talk about sombreros. We have so much on tap today, but don't don't lick your wounds in Georgia just yet until you hear what I have to say. First, though, first and foremost, time for us to take a little step back through time. You know what's wild? And it really is wild. At one point, what you know as Turkey today was the Ottoman Empire, and they were gigantic. Absolutely gigantic. I'll tell you what, we're going to do our thing right off the bat today that we've done a thousand times before. Go ahead and Google map Ottoman Empire map and pull up an image of that and just take that in. Do you realize how vast that is? That's Egypt. That's Saudi Arabia. That's, I mean, it's every, they had it all. They had it all. And you know what's crazy? The Ottoman Empire only ended about 100 years ago. You see, let's take a little step back through time and go back to World War One, pre-World War One. The Ottoman Empire was so big for so long and so powerful. I mean, this is the empire, keep in mind. We're talking about medieval times where we have Christian Europe scared to death. The Muslims are going to come in and, and, and take over everything. That's how big the Ottoman Empire was. And were it not for a battle or two here or there, they might have. They might have done it. That's what a juggernaut this place was. But there's something happens. There's something that happens to every single empire, nation, everything. Happens to all of us. Happens to you. Happens to me. Happens to Jewish producer Chris. Happens to everybody you know. Time. Time happens. And over time, things tend to wear down. The Ottoman Empire, by the outbreak of World War I, was not the Ottoman Empire they had been. They were known as, quote, the sick man of Europe. Now... Let's be clear about something, though, leading up to our little battle today, which I'm going to try to speed through because we have so much to get through in Georgia and everything else. But the battle today was called the Battle of Megiddo. And let's just clarify something. If you go ahead and Google Battle of Megiddo, you're going to get about 9,000 results. This is a place where battles have happened since before Christ It's one of those ancient places. You've heard about Armageddon, right? 
the biblical end of all things, things like that. This is where it's supposed to take place. This is that kind of place. I have never been there personally. I've looked at pictures of it. They tell you, though, it is the perfect battlefield. Like, if you had to, if you had to build a battlefield, you would build this one right here. But the Ottoman Empire, by the start of World War I, wasn't what they were. And the losses of what they were had really started slowly. Losses start slowly. Then they gain steam. Then they gain steam. And eventually you end up in one place, and that's when it's over. And I will tell you what that place is here in just a few minutes. But first, let's get to let's get to World War I. Let's get to the situation on the ground. This was the the ebb and flow of World War I. 1914, the outbreak of it. Really good year for Germany. And I realized that not everybody knows about World War I, but let's just be clear. Germany, Austria-Hungary, Ottoman Empire, they're all on the same side. There were some more there, too, but they're all on the same side. Not Nazis yet. And let's be clear about something else. Not the bad guys, either. I'm not saying they're the good like, good guys, but it's easy to it's easy to look at World War One and just lump it in with World War Two and be all ah the Germans fault again. Uh, not really. I'm not no. I don't know that it was anybody's fault. But Germany, Austria, Hungary, Ottoman Empire, same side. And remember, they all had their reasons for being on that side. Not because they're all historic friends somewhere, somewhere. They just had their own reasons. 1914, there are more, there's more than one front in World War I. The Western Front was really, t- it was in France, Germany versus France versus Britain over there. The Eastern Front was Russia. Really, the Southern Front and slash Eastern Front was the Ottoman Empire. But our battle... Our battle didn't take place in 1914. Our battle took place in 1918, when things are almost done. Austria-Hungary is almost completely out of the war. They have been shattered after embarrassing themselves for four years, I should point out. Russia, by the time of our story, they're already gone too. Remember the commies took over in Russia with Germany's help? And Russia just bailed. And let's let's pause for a brief moment on that. We're not talking about that really today. But things really, really, really go south when you expand a disease. Germany does. Germany catches a lot of heat for a lot of reasons and some obviously justified reasons. Germany, as much as I, as you know, I love Germany. I love the German people. They don't catch near enough heat for the spread of communism. People don't realize how much that's Germany's fault. I'm not just talking about Marx being a German. Remember, before Russia gets out of this war, Russia's on the side of Britain. They're on the side of France. And they're doing okay for themselves. Yeah, they got slapped around a little bit in the beginning. But they're doing all right. And something else they're doing is they're forcing the Germans 
to send resources over to Russia to either fight them or at least keep them at bay. You can't just leave your back door open like that. The Russians will march right into Germany or right into Berlin, actually, because Berlin's so close. Well, the Germans have this grand idea. You see, they know there's this little communist uprising, nothing the end of the world, but there's this communist uprising going on in Russia. And they go track down Vladimir Lenin, who's been exiled from Russia. He's, I believe, I think if I'm, I'm doing this off, I'm only doing a side story here, so I'm doing this off of memory. I'm pretty sure he was living in an apartment above a sausage factory. And Germany does something really bad. I'll tell you what that is in a minute. And then we'll talk about Georgia and Jacob Blake and everything else. Hang on. stocky follow like and subscribe on social at jesse kelly dc doctors trusted cbd company put in the work so you and i don't have to and when i say put into work they went out and they researched the whole cbd industry so they could make sure they're only selling the best on doctors trusted cbd.com why does that matter well a lot of people have tried cbd some people like it some people don't I've been trying it for a long time, and I'm telling you, all CBD is not the same. It's not. I wish it was, but it's not. You know, look, all food companies aren't the same, are they? This company sells something good. This company doesn't sell anything good. Some CBD companies prioritize quality, and some do not. That's why you can find things like Be Best Organics. It's made in the USA. It's USDA certified organic. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Start enjoying today. Use the promo code JESSE while you're there. That gets you 5% off and a free lip balm. I'm going to tell you why that gut punch in Georgia is actually a good thing. I'm thrilled. You'll be thrilled, too, by the time I'm done. I'm not using some twisted logic for it, either. I'm going to tell you why it's a good thing. You know, I'll give it to you right between the eyes. But first, Germany, they go and pick up Lenin, and they ship him back to Russia on purpose so Lenin can lead the communist revolution there. Now, I'm not even talking about the whole Hitler thing. But think of the damage to humanity that has done. Think what bringing Lenin back to Russia, allowing him to lead the communist revolution. Think, I mean, just in loss of life, think how bad that is. All right, sorry, Germany. I didn't mean to slap you around so much this morning, but it is, it is, it is not good. All right, so 1914, Germany is attacking throughout the war, 14, 15, 16, the war would go something like this. If you want to do like a real 30,000-foot view of World War I, here's how it went. It was the ultimate defensive war. And 
Armies don't like defense. Generals don't like defense. Have you ever, uh, what's a great way to put it? A defensive coordinator in football or a new head coach. Have you ever once heard a new one take over and say, guys, we're going to be less aggressive? No. It's not in their nature. It's not in a general's nature, a military commander's nature to dig in and sit there. It's just not something you do. Now, some are better at sitting there than others, but you're sitting there and you have this army and you've read all the books on uh, Hannibal and Alexander the Great and you want to be like that. And, uh, can, we, can we attack? I need to attack somebody. It's, 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 it, it, look, what's the old saying? If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Generals want to attack. So the war, the ebb and flow of the war is uh, virtually impregnable defense. The opposing commander building up this huge offensive, trying to blast through the defense with varying levels of success, but almost never was it an actual breakthrough until the very end of the war. And then being so weakened by their attempts at an offense, throwing themselves against the brutal defense, that the people who were on defense before just counterattack and take all the territory right back. That is World War I in a nutshell. Except down with the Ottomans. The Ottomans simply don't have the French resources, the German resources, the British resources. Remember, right when Britain got down, and took on the Ottoman Empire, Gallipoli, during that whole campaign, the Ottoman Empire, they acquitted themselves very well. They gave Britain all they could handle and more. But, what's that saying? I love so much. Everybody knows it by now. Marine Corps General Robert Barrow, what was it? Amateurs study tactics. Professionals study logistics. The Ottoman Empire, even with Germany's considerable help, simply did not have the resources to continue to fight off the Brits and the French. And they tried their own offensives as well. They tried to take the Suez Canal, <laughs> just like the rest of the, the, the war. They invaded, threw themselves up against their British defenders, and ran out of steam and promptly got run clear out of the country. Russia gets out. And something else begins to happen. There begins an Arab revolt in the Muslim world. An Arab revolt against the Ottoman Empire. Because let's be clear, the Ottoman Empire for a long, long, long time was viewed as the protector of Islam. Just get on my good side, you Muslims. I will look out for you. Make sure those dirty Christians don't come and crucify you all. That kind of thing. And remember, that was something that was happening for centuries on both sides. I'm, not, I'm not, actually not pointing, pointing fingers here. Christians were fighting the Muslims forever. Muslims would invade. Christians were invade. And, and they would do terrible things to each other. Terrible things. That's a reality. So that protection, if you were a Muslim, meant a lot and we're going to come back to that here in a minute. But an Arab revolt breaks out for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is somebody you may have heard of before, a man by the name of T.E. Lawrence. 
Yes, that T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, the guy they made the movie after. He was a Brit who's a British spy, and he did one of the things spies do. He went down into the Arab world, and I should clarify this. You don't really know everything Lawrence of Arabia did because he famously embellished like everything he did. He did a lot of really cool stuff, and then a lot of the stuff he says he did, he didn't really do. But one thing we do know he did was he went into the Arab world, and he helped organize their revolt. Organize it, equip it, encourage it. Oh, yeah, you should absolutely go up against those Ottomans. You see the Brits were looking for aids in the area. He's successful. Now the Brits, they're ready to perform the coup de grace on the Ottoman Empire by 1918. And the Ottoman Empire is utterly broken by this point in time. How broken are they? Well, picture this. The Brits obviously had planes. This is World War I was the first use of planes in, in battle. The Brits had planes. The Brits could fly over all the Ottoman lines and observe each and every movement of the Ottoman Empire. Do you know how many planes the Ottomans had in the air? Zero. Completely blind. The Ottomans, how broke were they? Well, they did have some anti-aircraft guns at least, so at least we can shoot down the British aircraft. Ah, about that, actually, they didn't have the resources to power the guns anymore. Yeah, hurting. So Lawrence of Arabia, and there's a lot to this battle because there's a bunch of different things. We're just not going into it all today. But Lawrence of Arabia gets his Arabs and leads them behind the lines, and they attack a railway, and they cut off the communications of the Ottoman army that's there. Now you're an Ottoman army. You are completely outmanned, outgunned, and you have no communication with high command anymore. This thing is only going one direction, and it's going there quickly. Well, the Brits want to blow through this. They want to finish them off. They want the Ottoman Empire out of the war. They begin their offensive. Only the Brits have learned some hard, bloody lessons throughout this war. Let's pause briefly on these hard, bloody lessons. Artillery in World War I. As I've told you a thousand times, there's no battle in the history of man. Spears, swords, whatever the case may be, there is no war in the history of mankind I'd want to be in less than World War I. They just, the, the technology had advanced so far beyond what the generals knew how to use It resulted in slaughter of the troops, just absolute slaughter of the troops. A horrible thing. And one of the things they were getting used to in World War I is it's not artillery, because they had artillery before that. They had plenty of cannons. I mean, Napoleon was famous for his use of cannons. But artillery that shoots, what, what, miles? This artillery shoots miles? This gun is so big, it has to be brought in piecemeal on rail cars. And, well, they did something a little different with it in the beginning. Something you and I wouldn't even recognize. I'll explain what that is in a second before we talk about Georgia. Hang on. 
You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Georgia, what happened there was a good thing. I'll tell you what, you know what? I'm going to wrap up this story here in like three minutes and then we're going to get to it. I got, I have so much on my mind today, Chris. It's a good thing. I'm going to tell you why. Hang on. But first, artillery, World War I. They got all these big guns and they were still learning the best way to use them. And when you have something that has that kind of destructive power, and I realize most of you are never going to be in the presence of uh, an artillery shell being shot, and I really hope you're never in the presence of an artillery shell landing. I've had the pleasure of both, and it's not something you forget. It's awesome. I mean, horrifying, but awesome. They didn't really know how to do it in the beginning. I mean, they knew they had to aim it. They, they were working on aiming it. They would take into account, I mean, especially the Germans, of course, what a big surprise, were awesome at it. They would have to take into account the curvature of the earth. It's, it's difficult. But they would just, you know, you find where they are and let's just shoot a bunch of shells in there. By the end of the war, they had fired so much artillery, they learned there's actually a way you can use it more precisely for your gain, and the poor Ottomans, when they're on their last leg, they get to absolutely eat one of these strategies. It's called a creeping barrage, and this is what it is. Don't just sit and aim all your artillery right at the guys you're trying to fight against and just start dropping them until you run out of shells and then turn to your infantry and say, charge! They'd been doing that the whole war. Well, if you didn't blow everyone out of there, then all you guys get slaughtered. What they were doing now was called a creeping barrage. You're landing the shells. This is a big oversimplification, but you're landing the shells essentially in a line in front of your guys. So your guys have a wall of steel as they walk in, meaning you're blowing the enemy out as your guys are walking. Your artillery blows a hole, your guys are walking through it. Now that's a big oversimplification because you really don't want to get that close to your guys and more than one person in the history of mankind has died 
during a creeping barrage because of a shot that went bad, a commander that heard something wrong. But that's the idea. And it works on the poor Ottomans to perfection. You remember the Arabs had already gotten behind them, cut off their communications. The Brits put up this massive creeping barrage. It was this General General Allenby was his name. And he blows a hole in the Ottoman lines. And then they took cavalry, which wasn't getting used that much anymore in the war because the cavalry kept getting gunned down by machine guns goes charging through in this massive cavalry charge, encircles the Ottomans, and wipes them out. How much of the Ottoman army was left after? Zero. They estimate 6,000 survived and dispersed, but they don't even know that. It, It was just gone, encircled and wiped off the map. The Ottomans had to sign an armistice. Like I said, Austria Hungary ducked out pretty quickly after that. Germany all alone. The rest is history. You know how it went. But remember, this is a hundred years ago, a little more than a hundred years ago. The Ottoman Empire turned into just Turkey. A couple things on that. What really doomed them, yes, it was the internal rot. That, that got them big time. But you remember how I talked about them being the protectors of the Muslim world? When they stopped being powerful enough to protect the other Muslims, that's when it was really over. When the other Muslims looked around and said to themselves, well, if they can't protect me anymore, then why am I here? Explain that to me. I'm only going to stay under your umbrella as long as I'm getting something for it. I was always getting protection. If you can't give that anymore, then what good are you? That's going to apply to our country here in a second. And the second thing that's going to apply to our country here in a second Empires rise and fall. Things come and things go. The Ottoman Empire, as I already pointed out at the beginning of this show, in it, at its height, was so absurdly powerful and huge. I mean, absurd. And now it's just Turkey. But here's the thing. You know what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with times changing. There are so many people this morning who are upset. There's so much anxiety out there. All day today I've seen this. Anxiety of of what does this Senate election mean? What are the Dems going to do? I'm in a radio studio. I just went to the bathroom in a break, and I had two different people stop me and ask me, what does this mean? So much nervousness out there. What, what are we going to do? People, this is a very big deal what happened. Things are changing. They are changing rapidly. This is really bad for the country. We are breaking apart. And yes, I, I know that's going to be painful, but it's okay. We don't get to pick the period of time that God gives us to live in on this earth. 
What if what if disaster happens? What if it's really, really bad for two years, four years? What if it leads to you know some bloodshed, which is obviously not ideal, not what we want, but what if it leads to some bloodshed and uh, the breakup of the United States of America? Texas secedes along with Florida or something. I'm, I'm just throwing out information. What if, what if it's terrible? What if the East splits from the West? What if, what if it, Okay. Don't you want to die with some stories? Don't you want to live an interesting life? And if it does break up, if this time, 10 years from now, you live in the People's Republic of Florida, is that the end of the world? Did you think you were entitled to live in the United States of America as it stands forever? You weren't. I'm not. I want that. Obviously, that's my goal, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's okay. And you know why I'm thrilled about what happened in Georgia? I I really am. I'm not just saying that. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled because how long have you and I talked about the system, the culture war we've lost? How long have we talked about these things? How long have we talked about our cultural institutions all being rotted out by leftists from the inside now? They even took the Boy Scouts for Pete's sake. Professional sports, the corporate world, the the media world, Hollywood, music, the federal bureaucracy, the FBI, the military. They're, They're rotting it all out from the inside. And how long have you and I talked about that forever? But here's what's crazy. You know about it. You, you pay attention to political news. I know about it. I pay attention to political news. I, I read things. The average American does not. The normal, everyday, average American is going about his life thinking everything's okay and everything's as it always has been. And while taxes may go up a little, but we'll see. You know what we need? You really want to save this country? Or in the very least, if we're going to break up, have a really good next country. You know what we need more than anything else? I'll tell you what we need. Hang on. You don't have to dip forever. You know that rhyme. You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.